Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture today is Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. You may find this scripture in your pew Bible on page 877. But first, let us prepare our hearts. O Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love, and strength to follow on the path you set before us. Through Jesus Christ, amen. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son and he named him Jesus. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. So I called my dad yesterday He's slowing down a bit, says he's up to taking three naps a day now. (laughs) Said he can't get to church anymore. I told him we live stream and he could watch here. He said, well, we'll see. (laughs) But he's as positive as ever. And I'm remembering, it was about 1967, he taught me that a cleat warrior to Felix Mian to Felipe Alou double play was scored 5-4-3, and it was particularly sweet if it were against the Dodgers. It was about 77 that he taught me to change the oil in my car every 3,000 miles. My car was a 67 Mercury station wagon with wood grain paneling. I inherited it from my mother. It was not a first choice for a first car, but it was mine. When I was about seven, 
He told me that the best way to catch a bird was to sprinkle salt on the bird's tail. He lied about that. So it's about a dozen years ago now, I took my son, Nathan, we went fishing. We were fishing in a canoe. We were new to fishing and even more new to canoeing. He caught a northern pike that's as long as my arm. I used the net to land it or canoe it, I guess. And in the process, the fish and the line and the lure and the net got all tangled up together. And so I brought it in the canoe to try to extract the northern pike. If you've never seen one of these up close, they are evidence that there is no orthodontist in the fish world. And so I was being quite careful with all of these sharp things and meanwhile Nathan kept fishing and he caught another another fish a smallmouth bass and he brought it around to me to take it off and when he did the extra hooks latched onto my trousers they didn't catch me but they caught my trousers and so there I was with a fish with teeth at my feet and a smallmouth bass flapping on the side of my leg we couldn't get away from each other Nathan looked at me and said what do I do what do I do just tell me what to do. I said, well, for starters, stop fishing for a moment. <laughs> I tell you that story because I imagine you've been in situations, maybe not exactly like that, but you've been in situations where you wish somebody would just come along and tell you what to do. Just, what do I do? It's a pretty common experience. Joseph had a moment like that to fully understand the implications of this story, we need to remember that Joseph lived not only in a different time, but in a different culture. In the ancient world, they treated women differently than we do today, at least in many ways they did. In the ancient world, they treated pregnancy outside of marriage differently than we do today. In the ancient world, honor and shame were a part of every action and choice. And Joseph, like you and me and like every other person in human history, was a product of his time and culture. Mary was pregnant. Often that might be good news, but Joseph wasn't the father as the story goes. So Joseph assumes what anyone would assume, that Mary, either by choice or not, had been promiscuous. So what does he do? The Torah provided instruction and teaching. The Torah says if a woman is accused of being promiscuous, the matter must be brought to the elders. And the first job of the elders is to determine, is the accuser telling the truth and the woman has been promiscuous, or is the accuser lying and she has not? If the man is guilty of lying, he is to pay a fine of a hundred shekels of silver it is to be paid to the father of the woman because it's the father's honor that has been challenged. If she is deemed to have been guilty of promiscuity, she is to be brought to the door of her father's house and the village is to gather and to stone her to death. And then the Torah says, in doing so, you will purge evil from your midst. The way some folks think about righteousness is the removal of evil. 
You purge it. You wall it off. You create separation from yourself and evil. But purging evil, it's harder than it sounds. It's messier than we anticipate. Because sometimes the very act of pursuing righteousness results in unrighteous consequences. It happens more than we think that doing the right thing can result in unrighteousness. Mary was pregnant. So what is Joseph to do? Well, he could have put her to death, but Joseph is a righteous man. So he decided to put her away quietly. But the story doesn't end there. It says Joseph had a dream, and in his dream he realizes God doesn't want him to put her away at all. So Joseph makes a decision to remain with Mary and to raise her son as his own. It took courage because the law says that evil should be removed. It should be purged from your midst. But had Joseph cast Mary aside, we don't know what the results of that would be, but it's not likely that it would have resulted in righteousness. Purging evil is never as easy as it sounds. When, when I was a kid, uh, about five years old, I had to have my tonsils removed. Now, this was back in olden days, so they didn't give me an IV and put me to sleep. They came at me with a white comb thing that had ether in it, and I didn't like it. I didn't like how it smelled, and in my five-year-old voice, I protested. I said, it stinks. My nurse, my caregiver, she deceived me. She said, just blow it away. So I went, ah. that's the last thing I remember. You see, in trying to blow it away, I took in that which I hated. I could not purge it from my life. She said, just blow it away, and I sucked it all in. Nurse Ratchet. Joseph knew he couldn't purge evil from his midst. We aren't told his thought process. We're just told of his decision. Joseph decides not to discard Mary, but to marry her and to raise her son as his own. Joseph chooses what scholars call higher righteousness. It's not a righteousness that comes easy because it can't be found in the policy manual. It can't be found in the rule book. It results not from proper process, but from attention to relationship, from attention to the consequences of our choices. Sometimes doing what seems right by the law can result in a lack of righteousness if we're not attentive to the impact on others. If our effort to be righteous is ever bad news for the neighbor, it's not a higher righteousness. Knowing this, Joseph, with courage and wisdom, decides not to put Mary away. That would fulfill the law, but it wouldn't fulfill righteousness. So instead, instead he chooses to raise her son as his own. 
In the earlier moments of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks like this. He said, if you have heard it said, do not kill, but I say to you, do not be angry with your brother or sister. You have heard it said, do not swear falsely, but I say to you, do not swear at all. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, turn the other cheek. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, but I say to you, love your enemy. Jesus is quoting the law, the rule book, the policy manual, the word of God, and pointing out that even with God's law, we can't make it too simple. We can't make the law too pedestrian. Righteousness doesn't come that easily. Righteousness is not found simply in obeying the law, but in living in law in the way that it pays attention to relationship. My dad, my dad taught me to tithe. He told me whatever I made, 10% should go to the church. And we had some difficult math to do when my allowance was a quarter, I mean, a quarter a week, but we worked it out. And when I got my first job, a dishwasher in Western Sizzlin, that was an experience that generally taught me to eat elsewhere and also to make the decision, you, do you tithe before or after taxes? He taught me to look people in the eye when you spoke to them. It was a matter of simple respect. And he taught me to drive the speed limit, not because the police might pull me over, but because the Williams kids, Randy and Susan, played out in the front yard down the street, and we needed to be careful. When I read this story about Joseph, it reminds me a little bit of my dad. I think they think alike. It's never enough to simply follow the rules. You have to pay attention to the consequences of your choices, how they impact relationships. So Danny Martin and I, we were throwing a baseball. His yard was too much of a hill to throw it there. My yard had too many trees for us to throw it there. So we usually ended up in the Van Arsdale's yard. We could do that as long as Mr. Van Arsdale wasn't home. Miss Van Arsdale said it was fine, but Mr. Van Arsdale was kind of grumpy. He had been kind of grumpy since the 50s became the 60s, I think. But he was at work, so we threw baseball, and it would have been fine if Danny could throw straight. It was his fault. Somehow, and I don't remember all the details, but somehow the baseball ended up in the Van Arsdale's living room. The point of entry was the big front window in the over their sofa, and the baseball had my name on it. We decided it was time to stop playing baseball and go home, so we did. Shortly after supper, my dad came and found me in my room, and he just said, $78. It's going to cost you $78 to pay for Mr. Van Arsdale's new window. And I said, I don't have $78. He said, I will loan it to you, and you will pay me back with allowance money and odd jobs cutting people's grass. I said, okay, fine. He said, here it is. He said, now go take it to him. I said, oh, Dad, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. Let me wait and go take it to Miss Van Arsdale tomorrow. I said, he's not a nice man. My dad said, I can't argue with that. 
I think he's been grumpy since the 50s became the 60s, but you got to go take it to him and tell him you're sorry and tell him it won't happen again. I said, but he's not a nice man, Dad. He said, this isn't about him. This is about you. That's how my dad thinks. He probably learned to think like that because most of his life he's been paying attention to how Jesus thinks. And this is how Jesus thinks. And I imagine Jesus learned to think like that from his father, Joseph. In the most significant moment of Joseph's life, when he learned that Mary was pregnant, Joseph could have followed the rules. He could have been guided by the policy manual and purged evil from his life, or at least tried to. But Joseph knew while some would say that was right, it would not result in righteousness. So he stayed persistent in relationship. He did what many never had the ability to imagine. He married her, and he raised her son as his own. Maybe righteousness like that is where Jesus learned it from Joseph. Maybe that's where he learned to think like this. If so, no wonder God chose Joseph to raise his son. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.